Blog Talk Radio. another episode of the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules Shepard, your host, and I'm excited to be talking about one of my favorite times of year, which is Halloween. It seems to get everybody super excited in my house, and I'm sure in yours as well. But it also comes with a certain amount of trepidation. When you're dealing with food allergies, celiac, and other restrictions, it can be kind of a tricky time. So I am really happy to have on the show today a friend of mine who I've known for several years, and I turn to every year, whether or not she's on my show or not, um, I turn to her blog because she does the most amazing, comprehensive research on all kinds of food allergies and gluten um, candy. So she finds the things that contain these food allergens, and she finds the ones that don't. And she has a really super comprehensive list. And I wanted to have her on again this year because, you know, there's always something new and different, and we don't always have time to find them for ourselves. So this is a really great primer on how to shop for gluten-free candy, and if you have other food allergens, eggs, nuts, dairy, other things like that, she also covers that as well. So without further ado, I want to welcome Allison St. Sure of SureFoodsLiving.com. Thank you for coming on the show again, Allison. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Jules. Allison and I met several years ago, and I I just I always love seeing her at, at um, food shows, and it's always fun to catch up. And she's you know, been a blogger for a really long time, also a fellow celiac. But, Allison, I just want to give an opportunity for you to, like, introduce yourself to the audience because I think, you know, a lot of people are you know, probably not as familiar with your blog, and you have so much to offer in terms of other information, not just about celiac and gluten-free, but also because of your own family's food restrictions, what kinds of other things are you dealing with and how do you handle that in your family? Well, I was uh, diagnosed with celiac disease in 2002, so quite a while ago. And at that time, uh, nobody had heard of gluten in my world. And so it was really challenging for me to learn about the gluten-free diet. They didn't even have the food labeling back then. Um, And so uh, because it was so challenging for me, but yet life-changing to change my diet and, and get healthy again, I felt that I really wanted to help others who might be in the same situation that I was seeking information. And so that's why I started my blog back then. Um, That was when uh, my daughter was just born, actually, and then a couple years later when she was a toddler, we found out that she has severe food allergies. So not only am I blogging about gluten-free and how to uh, manage a gluten-free diet, but then I was faced with egg-free, nut-free, peanut-free, and a few other allergens that she has. So as you can imagine, baking gluten-free is even extra challenging when you cannot use eggs, for example. And so, um, again, just what I learned in my trials with uh, trying to manage multiple food allergies, I really wanted to share with others. And so 
I just try to provide practical advice on my blog for people, um, not only for people with kids, but also just some of the medical information that I've found that may not be readily available out there. Um, I just try to share all that kind of information with people. Yeah, and I know, you know, when when we had met, I don't know, gosh, years ago, it we had both still already been blogging for a long time, and I wish that I had known you when um, when I was diagnosed too. Like, can you imagine if, how much better we would have been if you know we had known each other early on? But we all we had to discover everything for ourselves. I was diagnosed in um, the late '90s, and there was just nothing, and so we did sort of reinvent or, I guess, invent our own wheels. And it's been fun to see and meet people along the the road in this wonderful gluten-free journey we're on and see how people, a lot of them came to the same conclusions but came about it from a different way. And, you know, how do you live your life and continue to do all the things that you want to do with these food restrictions? And Halloween is a perfect example, Thanksgiving as well, you know, so food-centric. And so, you know, you start taking a step back and going, oh, my goodness, you know, how am I going to have a normal, you know, in quotes, a normal Halloween? How is my kid going to have a normal Halloween when there's so many things out there that, you know, where you might have a food allergen issue? So, you know, just to get started, how how did you start doing this this list? I'm assuming you kind of did it for yourself, and then you realized, wow, this is a great resource to share with people. Yes. So I had young children at the time when I started this list, and it was very difficult to figure out which candies were safe or not. There was very little information on the uh, candy manufacturer's websites, And also, you know how those little tiny candies are. You can barely read them. Some of them don't have ingredients on them. A lot of times the ingredients are in that fold of the candy, you know, and and it's cut off. And so I, as a mother, was really concerned about if what my children were going to be getting in their uh, trick-or-treat bags was going to be safe for them. And so as I started calling candy companies, I thought – well, I'm doing all this work. Why not share this information with others so that they don't have to go through what I'm going through? And so what happened was people were so grateful that I had done this list that I figured, oh, I'll do it the next year. And at this point, it's pretty much expected of me (laughs) to put out this list every year. And it is a ton of work. And when September comes around, I, I sort of dread it, but I do it. It helps me, obviously, um, and then, but the the gratitude that I receive makes me realize that people really have come to depend on this list, and it it helps people so much, especially those who are new to doing this. And it's extremely overwhelming um, for parents. So that's that's how yeah. it started, and that's why I continue to do it every year. Well, that was my next question: was what when do you have to start this? You start in September. You start calling. I start in September and I I it's pretty much a I'm I'm cramming. <laughs> I mean I'm like yeah. I'm yeah. putting in uh frantic hours up until uh the beginning of October uh because I I do call the companies or I scour their websites and you'd think they would have this information read, yeah. readily available on their websites by now but surprisingly it's usually buried somewhere. Mm-hmm. In the frequently asked questions or on right. some link, it's it's not as easy to find as you would think. And many of the candy manufacturers 
will not post ingredients on their websites um, because they don't want to have to keep up their websites. They don't want to have to have them be different information than what might be on their current packaging. And so all they'll say on the website is, go read the current packaging to find the ingredients, which isn't super helpful if you're trying to plan ahead for what your kids might be able to have. And that's why I physically go into the stores, pick up the packages, read the labels myself every year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think even some of the candy companies who are a little bit better about publishing information will always have that caveat, that legal stuff that they throw in that says, oh, yeah, but only rely upon what's on the actual package because that's where they have you know, the most accurate information. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that a lot of these companies have several different manufacturing facilities. Not all of them are necessarily owned by them, and not all of them are in the same place and produce the same thing. So they'll have, you know, the same product might be produced in more than one facility, and those packages will reflect, or they're supposed to reflect, you know, the accurate description of what's there, what's coming out of that particular facility. So I was going to ask you, do you find websites or picking up the phone to be the most helpful, but are you saying that you really still think the old-fashioned way of like scouring the packaging and, and just relying upon that is the best way, or do you sort of cross-check it by calling the customer service number as well? I do a lot of cross-checking also because, as you know, Jules, with the labeling law, uh, they are not required to list right. gluten as, a, as an ingredient. They, they are required to list the top eight allergens, which includes wheat, but they don't have to put, for example, barley malt on their package. Many of them are choosing to, especially the big companies, Hershey and Mars and, and those companies will put and they will call out any gluten ingredient on their label because they know it's a big issue and they probably get so many phone calls about it anyway. Um, but so, you know, just because... Um, something isn't listing wheat doesn't mean it's gluten-free. And so then I will call and check to see what their gluten-free statement is. Usually it's some pat response on the phone, but I at least feel like I've heard it from somebody's mouth of what their mm -hmm. statement is. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll also read the package. And, you know, some of the companies won't claim that something is gluten-free because they have not gone through any official testing right. of the product. And so it actually is gluten-free, but they don't want to say it's gluten-free because right. they haven't officially tested it. So there could be some a little bit of confusion there. Yeah, they'll say things like contains no gluten ingredients or things like that, trying to sort of around the issue, and that's frustrating for parents who are just trying to do the right thing and figure out, is, is it in there or is it not? Uh, you mentioned barley malt a minute ago, and I think it's funny, this time of year is when you actually hear the word malt a lot more than you do otherwise. Malt is a flavoring that's found in lots of things, including things like dry cereals, and oftentimes it does, it is made from barley. 
But when you think about malted milk balls and things like that, you know, that those should be red flags for anyone who's looking for avoiding gluten because malt is most typically derived from barley, which, as you know, is a gluten-containing um, grain. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, you know, the other thing is a lot of these companies will have statements on their packages that say made in a facility that also produces you know, gluten or wheat or soy or dairy or eggs. How do you, as a mom, how do you handle those types of of may contain statements? Those can also be tricky. Um, Many of the big companies will tell you that they have have procedures in place to eliminate cross-contamination, which means they will run the most uh, allergen-free products first, and then go in order introducing allergens as the day or week goes along. What I have found from the companies is that if you if you do not see one of those cross-contamination statements, you can assume that they are taking such procedures that there really isn't any cross-contamination. But if you do see a cross-contamination statement, it really may be that there is cross-contamination or it may be that they're just covering themselves because they are in the same facility. And it is hard to decipher if your kid may react to something like that, and that just has mm-hmm. to be a personal choice. But there is no no guarantee when you see that statement whether it truly does have cross-contamination or not. Yeah, it's I feel like a lot of the companies put it on there as a CYA, you know, well, we told you that it was there, but it it doesn't cover them, you know, in terms of saying that it's gluten-free, but it also has this exposure issue. You know, is it, are you taking steps or are you not taking steps? And I find that the only way to really determine whether or not um, and, and, and I guess backing up, we're talking about things that are not certified gluten-free. We're talking about things that are labeled gluten-free but are not certified by an independent third party like the Gluten-Free Certification Organization, that GF, certified GF symbol that you see on some things. Because those are a separate issue altogether. Those you should be able to rely upon as taking cross-contamination prevention measures if there is indeed something in the facility. But these other companies that are saying, oh, yeah, it's gluten-free, but we also use these products or it's made on the same line or in the same facility, that's where the tricky stuff comes in. And, you know, I think that it really you just have to call because there's no other way of knowing. And the trickiest part to me of the Food Allergen Labeling Consumer Protection Act that was um, in, that was enacted and then they went back finally last year and added the gluten-free food labeling that we had fought so hard for. The trickiest part out of that was that this may contain statement is allowed to be said, but it's not required. And so people pick up two packages of two very similar things. One has a may contain statement and the other does not. That does not mean that the one without the statement doesn't have the gluten, you know, potential for gluten exposure. 
because they didn't have to tell you that. And so it's interesting to hear you say, you know, you found that in those cases you really do think that they are taking steps and they're cleaning, and that's why they're not making the statement. I, you know, that would be awesome. I hope that you're right because I, I haven't well, seen, um, I guess, a pattern like that. But you do a lot more looking into the, you know, the candies and things than I do, certainly. Well, let me give you an example going the other direction. A candy mm-hmm. bar that says made in a facility that uses milk, eggs, tree nuts, wheat, and peanuts. And, but yet in the ingredients, I, I didn't see anything about wheat. Um, but yet or it, it, it was very confusing. So it seemed like it would be gluten-free. Um, so I called and found out, and you hear this rumored to be true all the time, is that they, they actually do dust their manufacturing belt with wheat flour. Wheat. Mm-hmm. So when those candy bars are coming down the line so that they aren't sticking to the belt, they, are, they, are, they dust the, the belt with flour. And so they didn't claim it to be gluten-free, but you know, I in my research was wondering, well, why not? Because I don't see wheat right. in the ingredients. And sure enough, that's what they told me on the phone. And that mm-hmm. is why that they would only claim one of their candy bars to be gluten-free but not the rest. And that, is, that company is Annabelle's that makes the Big Hunk Bar. Um, oh. And Big Hunk itself is the only one that they will guarantee because it's processed on its own line. But all of their other candy bars are processed on the line that, that has mm-hmm. wheat flour. Wow, that's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that as well, but I never knew which companies were were doing the dusting. Makes you wonder, like, why can't you just pick something else? Why do you have to be so controversial? Dust Rice flour. Yeah, exactly. Like, come on, get with the program, people. Well, that's that's super interesting. Well, any other kind of strange things like that that you've seen? I mean, if you're new to to living gluten free in particular. There, there are some, you know, big no-nos like malt, um, you know, barley malt, you know, malted milk balls and things like that. Other ones are things like Twizzlers that you would not expect to have wheat in them. But if they have that shape like that, I think it's, it's something that a lot of the candy manufacturers rely upon is that the wheat flour to help hold, you know, its shape. And, and I, that's just something that I think a lot of people are unaware of. Every time I say Twizzlers have gluten in them, people go, oh, no, you're kidding. I've been feeding that to my kid. Is there anything else like that that's like kind of a big, you know, oh boy, you know, definitely avoid this kind of thing even though you might not realize it? Well, like you said, anything that's a licorice type product usually mm-hmm. has wheat in it. Um, anything that says crispy, <laughs> crispy <Yeah>. or crunchy, <laughs> you need mm-hmm. to be aware of because that's where you get the, like you said earlier, the barley malt, a crisped rice or Mm-hmm. Um, some, something crunchy usually has some kind of a cookie in it. And one example that I found this year is that M&M's now has M&M's Crispy. Ooh. So if you are used to eating M&M's and there's a bowl of M&M's sitting out and you grab a handful, um, I didn't open the package itself from what I can tell. It's shaped exactly like regular M&M's, but they do contain uh, barley malt. Wow. So that's an example of one that I wouldn't expect. Yeah, because M&M's and along with that, has been gluten-free, yeah. Yeah, so M&M's crispy. And then for people with peanut allergies, I was really bummed to see it, that they have an M&M's peanut butter. They've always had peanut M&M's, but those are a yeah. much bigger shape than your regular M&M's. From what I can mm-hmm. tell, the same thing. It's shaped exactly like a regular M&M, but filled with peanut butter. 
So yeah, it's like a little scary. Pieces. Yeah, exactly. That, that if, and you're right, if they're the same shape and size, that's been something for has been an old standby for gluten-free people for so long is M&M's. Well, at least you can eat M&M's you know, as long as you don't have a dairy issue. But, yeah, that's really good information to be watch out for. Now, another one that at this time of year is always very tricky for people is the Reese's because Reese's cups, while they're gluten-free, they always somehow come up with some exception at the holidays with their seasonal-shaped um, Reese's Cups. So what did you find this year? So that's one of the ones where I think that they just haven't done the official testing on it. Mm-hmm. And I can't prove that because they they just they don't really give that information. But um, what I have found, according to the packaging, when I checked the peanut butter, you're talking about like peanut butter pumpkins, I think, Kind of yeah. the seasonal. And, and the minis, too. There's always some back and forth about whether the unwrapped minis and the wrapped minis, like whether those are gluten-free or not. So in my research this year, there was not even an allergen warning on those about gluten. There was no made in a facility or anything like that on mm-hmm. the current packages. Um when they put out a list on their website, it's usually not included on there. But, again, that's the list that they, when they say they've officially tested those things. And I think in these seasonal items, perhaps they just haven't tested those. So that that's mm-hmm. what I think, but I can't, I can't <laughs> prove that that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like doing a, your Sherlock Holmes to try to get the information out of them about that kind of stuff. True. Well, another another one that I love to turn to is the Peeps because a lot of those have on there like always been you know always gluten free. But are there any Peeps to avoid? Anything that's got some kind of allergen in it that people need to know about? There are a bunch of new Peeps this year. <clears throat> Peeps um, Peeps generally were. Uh, dairy-free, except for then they started coming out with some chocolate-covered ones. Um, And now they actually have a bunch of new flavors that are literally coated in dairy. So, (laughs) and they may not look like they are. So there's, Mm -hmm. they're called candy corn chicks and pumpkin spice chicks and caramel apple chicks. And they're just these new flavors. And they are, they are not coated in a dark chocolate, but they're coated in some kind of a dairy covering. So I would say watch mm-hmm. out for those if you have a milk allergy, especially if you have a severe milk allergy. That could be confusing. Mm. Okay. Good to know. And, clear and on, I think clear on have, the package. Okay, that's good. That's helpful because, yeah, I mean, it's really confusing on some of those. I, You know, thinking outside of the traditional, I guess, candy stuff that we all think about, um, is, there, is there anything else that, you know, you've found is a good option. I mean, I know Angie's Kettle Corn has had those, you know, those snack packs, those, you know, pumpkin or the, you know, the popcorn balls. There's Pirate Booty and some other things like that that have come out that are trying to appeal to parents who are looking for something other than straight up, you know, candy options for their trick-or-treat bags. Well, in addition to putting on my blog the more the commercial candy list, I also include a natural and organic candy list. Mm -hmm. And for people who, 
believe me, I, I would like to point out I am not advocating candy. I think it's really unhealthy, and I rarely yeah. eat any myself, and I don't want my kids eating it. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's Halloween. They want to be like the other kids. Mm-hmm. I let it go. I let them I let them go for it on Halloween. So, mm-hmm. but in general, that's not how we live our lives, and I don't have my cupboard stocked with... <laughs> Yeah, no, we we aren't either. <laughs> We're not right. that way either. In fact, one of the other uh, soccer moms yesterday was telling me she was, had my daughter in the car on the way to the soccer game. She said it was so funny to hear your daughter in the back, you know, complaining to my daughter about how you won't let her eat anything unhealthy. <laughs> like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm oh, sure yeah. my kids it's... talk about me the same way. But yeah, I let them go for it on Halloween. Um, I I think when they're younger, you can get away with feeding them the or offering them the healthier candies, the more natural and organic, because mm-hmm. they don't they haven't been exposed to the world of yeah. all the scary commercial candies. But right. now my daughters are nine and eleven, and they they know what's out there. Um, but yep. for those that can keep their kids uh, on the healthier options. Like for nut allergy, there's they have sun butter cups that are sunflower seed butter mm-hmm. filled cups, just like Reese's. Um, and there's all kinds of uh, natural and organic candies. There's even licorice that you can find online that does not have gluten in it. Um, and there and the are Swiss kids, the twisted fruits that you can find year round. They're a little like licorice, and they're you know. 100% fruit juice or, or whatever. The Cliff Kids, the twisted ones, and right. I use them for um, decorating Easter basket. Like I make them into handles for Easter baskets and things like that. But I know you can get those year round, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I've seen those some are other good brands for online. gingerbread surf, house decorating. Yes, <laughs> yes, and Surf Sweets and True Sweets. I love that brand. Um, they've got some really great stuff that's out now. Um, Spooky Spiders. I saw that yep. they have gummy um, spooky spiders, and they're corn syrup free. They're vegan, non-GMO, certified gluten free, and they're also organic. And they have a a, a Starburst, and it's like on the package, the little Starburst packages, and they're not real Starburst, but they're their version of them. And it says organic. It's so funny. It's like okay, have an organic candy. <laughs> you know, yeah, my kids, exactly. I'll let you eat. Well, this and one. what's nice about the Surf Sweets and some of these brands now is that they are becoming mainstream. So, I mean, I saw all the Surf Sweets um, in Target most recently. So oh, wow, you that's can, great. Yeah, so you can find some of these more natural brands now if you if you look for them. And um, Yummy Earth or Yum Earth now is what they're called. They have a lot of options too with gummy worms and gummy bears and things like that. Oh, okay. That's another good one to look for. Well, and then, you know, the other option, too, is for people who, you know, even if the organic and natural candies aren't exactly what you're looking for, there is a wonderful project called the Teal Pumpkin Project that is put out by the Food Allergy Resource and Education, um, that network, and they have a great informational site and if you look for hashtag Teal Pumpkin Project, you can find all kinds of other ideas for stickers and bracelets and markers and pencils and slinkies and things like that that can go into the um, the trick-or-treat bags instead of food products. And that's another option, too, is to just sort of think a little bit outside of the traditional, you know, um, 
hardcore candy if if you need, you know, for for food allergy reasons or otherwise, or if you're crazy moms like Allison and me, <laughs> you don't want your kids eating all that junk. But yeah, so there's something else to check out there with the Teal Pumpkin Project. Um, anything yeah, else on your site? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that Teal Pumpkin Project is a great project. And then there are other ideas if you want to avoid the candy, and that is you can do a trade with your kids. They can trade your candy, you their candy for some kind of a, a gift or money. Um, mm-hmm. There's a new little book and product called Switch Witch that I've seen, and it's kind of like the elf on the shelf but for Halloween where – they give the candy to the little witch, and she brings a little gift. Um, and then there's also buybacks at uh, some of the dentist's offices, and there's a, even mm-hmm. a website, Halloween Buyback, where you can search to see if dentists in your area are participating, and they will actually pay your kids cash for their candy. And then yeah, there's we also <laughs> we have, and then there's also you can donate candy to um, to our troops as well. So there are some other options for getting rid of that candy in your house. Yeah, I I feel like half of the fun of Halloween is just the going door-to-door and being dressed up and doing all that, not necessarily sitting down and actually, you know, ingesting all of it. I don't think that that necessarily has to be the most fun part. And it's not for my kids because I've never let them eat all of the candy that they have. They really like the Halloween buyback, and we have also donated to the troops as well. But just... To run around with your friends and you know go door to door and get whatever they hand you that's totally fine, and then when you go home, you know you have to sift through it and sort it, and you know mom or dad can take care of you know being the police at that point, but you know as long as I have treats here that my kids can eat, and you know we always have that as a backup plan, and you know we know in advance that we have another option for all the things we get when we go door to door. And if you've done your homework and looked on Allison's site and other resources, I have a a compilation on my site as well of of things that you can do and look for. And you'll you'll navigate it. You'll be fine. You don't feel like you have to miss out. I think that's the big issue that you know so many people are concerned about. And you absolutely don't. So thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today and share your expertise in the candy world, Allison. I really appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Jules. Yeah, and if you want to check out Allison's um, website, it's surefoodsliving.com, and she is also on Facebook and Twitter. So give her a shout, and happy Halloween to everybody. Talk to you soon. Happy Halloween.